G'day, Tilda Joy here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news, workers' stories, and social justice issues. This episode was recorded in isolation for 3CR Community Radio and broadcast nationally by the Community Radio Network. This program is produced on the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and we pay our respects to their elders past and present. Today's show will be debuting on the 31st of March, which is known to transgender people worldwide as the Trans Day of Visibility, or in some of the circles I run in, we like to call it the Transgender Day of Vengeance. The accounts right now are coming in thick and fast, detailing just how widespread violent misogyny is inside of our federal parliament. Prime Minister Scott Morrison has responded by announcing a task force for women and appointed Maurice Payne as Prime Minister for Women a title previously only held by the decidedly anti-feminist former PM, Tony Abbott. A curious decision. As part of this task force, Queensland LNP Senator Amanda Stoker has been appointed as Assistant Minister for Women. Senator Stoker has a history of opposing bans on gay conversion therapy and uses her platform to promote sensationalist articles denouncing the transgender agenda and making attacks on trans children and their families. It seems she's the assistant minister for some women, but she's certainly no friend of trans women. All of this brings into sharp relief the divide between the supposedly family-oriented values of conservative politics and the reality of its representatives, who stand accused of stalking, upskirting, and even rape. All the while, they presume to have some sort of moral authority on which to decide whether transgender people should be afforded basic human rights. Today, we're going to be talking to Danny Cotton. Danny is a transgender worker in the higher education sector and a rank and file member of the NTEU. We're going to discuss issues of transphobia in the higher education sector, the challenges and opportunities for social movement unionism in relation to transgender liberation, and we're going to talk more broadly about the fights for justice currently underway in New South Wales. So without further ado, let's jump over to that interview right now. All right, thanks for joining me on Stick Together today. Um, We've got Danny here. How are you going? I'm well, I'm well. How are you? Um, yeah, yeah, pretty good. Um, I was wondering if you could introduce yourself and let our listeners know about what you've been up to. Uh, yeah, hi. So my name's Danny Cotton. I'm a uh, worker and um, a student in the university sector uh, in the National Tertiary Education Union. And I guess I'm coming on to talk a bit about the experiences of, um, you know, being a unionist and being trans and how those two things kind of yeah, align. Good one. And you're based up in Sydney, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Um, we met recently at the um, Pride and Protest demo up there for, for Mardi Gras. That was that was really awesome. Um, yeah. I understand there's a there's another thing that's just passed, um, a Trans Day Visibility Action happened in, in Sydney on the weekend, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So we've just had a, um, a beautiful march for Trans Day of Visibility. Uh, we marched down with 300 or so um, people down the streets of uh, Newtown, down King Street, um, and we were kind of, yeah, drawing together some of the, the big fights uh, that that, are, that have been shaping up about around birth certificate reform because we still we don't still don't have um, self ID here in New South Wales, uh, as well as fighting back kind of the religious discrimination um, bills that are c- kind of coming, these new attacks on trans people and fighting for you know some of the solidarities as well between, you know, our our fight as trans people, um, particularly with the police and the issue of Black Lives Matter and and for sex workers, who obviously, yeah, is is an important issue for our community. 
Yeah, good one. So self-ID, that's something we got here. I think it only really came into effect in May last year here in Victoria. But um, essentially what our legislation looks like is that you can uh, denote any any gender um, of your of your choosing in your uh, birth certificate um, without the need to have to go through like surgeries and things like that. Is that a similar thing in New South Wales? No, yeah, absolutely not. So the, I mean, New South Wales birth certificate law is just archaic. It requires you to undergo kind of, um, you know, gender surgery, which they understand to mean kind of bottom surgery. Um, you know, these are surgeries that cost tens of thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars. Some people can't afford them. Some people are not physically able um, to have that kind of surgery. Some people don't want to have that kind of surgery. Um, they regard, might regard it as invasive and unnecessary. So for a whole lot of people, I think this law, these laws are just, um, yeah, completely archaic. And, and I mean, like, really, I think, play into trans- transphobia and promoting transphobia. I mean, for people to have kind of these documents, um, you know, their birth certificate that they may be required to produce that, you know, are required to dead name them, or that are required to kind of out them to people who may not be... Um, supportive in, in through all of the times when you might need um, documents going up against, you know, your employer or, or you know, government uh, agencies and stuff. I mean, it's just, yeah, to, m- to my mind, it's just about uh, promoting transphobia. Yeah, absolutely. It's the kind of thing you might be expected to show a real estate agent or something like that. You can mm. be denied housing off the, yeah. off the back of your birth certificate, not really matching how you present. Um, it's yeah, serious stuff. It's, it, it absolutely is. I mean... And, and there's been a, a big issue here where the um, at the women's baths at Coogee here in Sydney, where yeah, they've right. um, recently put out a um, a new policy stating that they would only allow women who had um, trans women to join if they'd had um, gender affirmation surgery, um, which is which they justified using eventually a reliance on on New South Wales law, saying that look, it's written in the law. We're just we're just with that. So I think it's it's a it's a license for transphobia. Certainly is. Um, I remember in 2019 here in Victoria when we were um, the Parliament was debating the bill. There was some pretty significant demonstrations out at University of Melbourne because there was some uh, high profile academics um, <laughs> bringing this back to your sector who were very opposed to self-ID legislation, um, including people from the state state executive of the Victorian Greens. Um, but yeah, a lot of people in, in pretty good positions at Melbourne Uni. Um, and it's, it's been a bit of a, a hot issue around um, the university sector in general, hasn't it? Like about transphobic tutors and um, well, lecturers and professors. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the, the transphobia sometimes seems to increase as you go up the scale, but the um, the hierarchies of the universities. Yeah, I mean, for, for people in the university sector, I think transphobia is a, a really big issue and, and particularly kind of when it's dressed up as kind of transphobic feminism. Some people sometimes call that, you know, TERFs or trans-exclusionary radical feminists. But yeah, I think um, it's it's really concerning when we have uh, campaigns by the right. I mean, you look at the uh, that what you mentioned in in Melbourne, um, you, you you have a a, a policy that's being um, put through by Labor, and then the coalition against it. You can name it off the Victorian Liberal Party with kind of MPs making claims that this is about um, you know men in scare quotes entering uh, women's spaces. The same kind of archaic ideas being uh, put by the Australian newspaper 
newspaper, News Corp, the Murdoch Press, and lining up with these groups, you have these kind of purported uh, quote-unquote feminists who um, I just, I mean, I, I actually re-listened to the some of the debate today and they're just rehearsing the exact same ideas um, and I think just uh, playing into the hands of the right. I mean, it's just outrageous that these people, um, yeah, I, far from kind of joining us in the fight, you know, for progressive change, like we saw on, on the rally last week, a, a kind of campaigning against trans people as if fighting for trans rights somehow impinges on women's rights, which I think is, yeah, a, a, like it's a really big problem. I think um, a few of the people who were at the Mardi Gras demonstration would recall these exact arguments from, you know, the 80s and the 90s about, you know, protecting our kids from the, the homosexual threat and all that. It's it's everything old is new again. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I think, yeah, I don't think um, cisgender people are, are safe as either from kind of these transphobic attacks. We hear stories after stories about, you know, um, gender non-conforming lesbians, gender non-conforming people being kind of targeted by this anti-trans backlash. I mean, I think um, the truth is we are, we are all in this together, but, yeah, there's a, there's a long history. I think you're right to point out there's a long history of kind of these stereotypes getting um, flung at, trans people, gay people, yeah. And so interestingly for me, maybe more uh, impacting for you, is that the, the university seems to be the nexus of a lot of uh, this rhetoric, right? There's a lot of uh, events and papers and things being kind of generated out of, out of universities. And this, this is your workplace. Mm. Um, how do you kind of, as a unionist, how do you approach what what's essentially an attack on, on trans people? Um, it, it is it is difficult. I mean, for I think for, for some of these kind of transphobic feminists, the, they, they perceive of their, their role in the university as kind of being in this free marketplace of ideas and they're kind of just submitting their own kind of philosophical view about what trans people are. Um, I think for most trans workers and for, for most workers, the university is actually more than that. It's an employer. Um, and it's one where all of those issues of, uh, of oppression are far from kind of ideals to be debated in conference papers, but are our reality. I mean, the the question of, of, of what we do about it, I mean, it's the right one, but, you know, I think you mentioned the Mardi Gras rally, and I think, you know, what we tried to do about it, a bunch of kind of... Uh, unionists uh, is that we, we tried to get our branch to just endorse this rally that was fighting against transphobia and fighting against those things and, and just make the case to all of the other unionists that this fight is their fight and that um, that we need to campaign to end it and I think there's nothing more obvious and we were successful in doing that and got a, a great NTU contingent to the to the rally which was awesome but also this this rally last last um, last week for the Trans Day of Visibility. I mean, I, I mentioned the religious um, discrimination bills that are being passed. These are these are bills that, are, that affect um, not only trans people, they kind of want to enshrine the right to quote unquote conscientiously object on the part of health practitioners. And this is something that not only uh, is really important for us to defend for trans people who need gender affirming care, or, or, um, but also for, you know, all people who need abortions or, and, and don't want that to be kind of uh, something that someone's religiously free to deny them the right to. So I think 
yeah, I, to me, there's just nothing clearer than if, if, if we're making this case to unionists that they need to fight for our rights for bodily autonomy, fight for trans people, fight for people who need abortions, um, let the right fight against us then. I just think it's such a clear thing of we need unity fighting against this government that has such, um, that is pushing such like horrendous policies. Like, I think we just need to unite and fight. And I think that's forever the best way for us forwards. You're listening to Stick Together, recorded for 3CR Community Radio and coming to your local community radio station via the Community Radio Network. What's the vibe like at the NTU at the moment in terms of uh, the adoption of, you know, or the endorsement of, like, trans politics in this sense? Yeah, I mean, it's a real and active debate, I think we need to say. Like, there's, there's you know, there's good motions, like, and, and there's a lot of people who I think, uh, you know, see see the, the solidarities that can be found between the union movement and the trans movement. Um, there are also, it has to be said, a, a lot of transphobic feminists. I mean, people may have seen the issue at University of Melbourne at the moment with um, one particular academic, Holly Lawford-Smith, uh, pushing a or publishing a, a website called Feminism No Conflict, they said, which is kind of a scaremongering website that's just talking about how women's rights are being um, brushed aside by trans people and just rehearsing a whole whole um, host of transphobic um, tropes about that trans people are wanting to seek access to women's um, bathrooms and so on and so forth. Um, the, this academic refuses to. Um, called trans women, trans women. She prefers her own term, quote, men who identify as women. I mean, it's just um, outrage. And I think it's, uh, you know, we need to say see this as, as more than just freedom of speech. This is an industrial issue. Um, and, and I think draw the line between freedom of speech and hate speech, I suppose. Like, I think it is progressive that we demand freedom of speech, but these kinds of issues, when it becomes hate speech, I think, you know, it's not safe for students. It's not safe, safe for staff. I mean, this is an academic who's teaching the unit on feminism and I've, I've um, you know, heard from students in these classes of, of what it's like when, you know, they're told that they can't, you know, question certain lines on turf or the turf is a slur and they couldn't mm. possibly say it in a classroom like you know is it any wonder that you know this is and I, and I think this really encourages the more broader anti-trans backlash I mean you know at the student rally um some of the students at, at University of Melbourne brought up how this had encouraged kind of transphobia on campus that seen more and more signs getting put up I mean when you have people in these prominent positions encouraging and involvement in transphobia it's it's going to be felt everywhere Absolutely. Um, so I understand there's uh, there's a thing called CUTE in the NTU. 
Um, and there's been a bit of a, a shake-up at the leadership. I think that's, that story in particular is quite illustrative of the situation um, regarding transphobia within the NTU. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a big... It is a big issue. The, um, the, uh, what's, yeah, what you're referring to is that the Virginia Mansell uh, lease was the um, head of the queer network of the, the union, the National um, Queer Network called uh, Queer Unionists in Tertiary Education, or CUTE. Um, but the, yeah, that was headed by someone who actually spoke on the panel we referred to before that was kind of uh, opposing birth certificate changes in, in Victoria and that, um, you know, she she kind of has spoken as a spokesperson for for those lobbying against against birth certificate reform. So I think, um, like a lot of us were quite shocked to learn that someone like that was being seen to be someone who was representative of queer unionists in tertiary education. So, um, I, I you know I I was one of the signatories to an open letter. I, I didn't myself start it, but I, I it's it's great that people did start this open letter essentially saying that <laughs> this is not appropriate and she has subsequently been disendorsed and there's a, a, a new election and the um the person the interim convener is actually a, a trans woman from in queensland so i think that's a bit illustrative of that these kinds of ideas i think they can be challenged um by open and debate about the importance of standing up for trans rights and i think I don't know, I, despite how horrific that that can still be the case in 2020, I still get some heart that it, it is, I think we still can contest and, and win this debate. It's, we shouldn't have to, but we do. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, if you don't don't fight, you lose. And I think it's a fight that we, we have, simply haven't had yet. Yeah. Um, so it, I, I think it's an, an encouraging sign at the very least. Um, so you and I are both unionists and we're both trans people and... Um, I was just wondering if we could maybe turn the conversation now to some of the maybe ideas about unionism that um, kind of uh, relate to us as trans people. Um, there's one idea I think that is, you know, unions are about people who are in high vis and they're blokes and they're kind of, you know, um, out there doing the real work and that kind of thing. And there's another very professionalized kind of version of unionism for people with very steady jobs and, and things like that. And that doesn't really describe the situation for most trans people, I don't think. Um, so yeah, I was just wondering if you could maybe like speak to that a little bit about, uh, you know, are our concerns really union business? Mm, yeah. I mean, it is, it is difficult. I mean, I think a lot of the time, you know, trans people might turn away from the union movement. I've spoken to certainly a lot of people in, in higher education who kind of hear all of these, this transphobia being issued by people from prominent positions, um, and they turn away from the union movement and they um, see that they think that they can only really rely on, on other things, maybe social media and, and, and the like, um, which is very sad. But I think, I think, the other thing that they turn to, I guess, is the so is social movements, and I think that's somewhere where, you know, there's a lot more solidarity and possibility for us to to bring those th two things together. And, um, you know, the issues that trans people face, it's not just about some th you know theoretical laws that we that we need to change that would kind of give us rights to anti discrimination. Like it's 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 pretty serious. I was just reading over some reports, um, for example, of of um, uh, which just 
uh, highlight the reality that most of us just know from experience, but it was a, an employer report done in the UK where they interviewed a bunch of employers and asked them their attitude to trans people and um, asked if they would consider um, hiring a trans person. One third of them said that they would be less likely and only 24% said that they would be they would be they would consider um, hiring a trans person, which is which is a, a miserably small number. But I think for most of us who've been unemployed, um, while you know openly trans, that's it, it's a it's a difficult time to find employment. And I think the reality of that kind of precarious employment that's also connected to kind of precarious homes and, and all of these other things. They're, they're very real issues that we face, and I think. For us to, you know, trans people are a small minority of, of the community, but, you know, on the, on those concerns of the fighting for jobs and fighting for housing, I think there's actually a possibility of us, you know, uniting with others in the way that can actually have some real and tangible wins. I mean, a fight for, you know, less precarious work and for, for permanent work for, for us all is something that... Um, it, it, it helps everyone and it actually helps trans people more than a lot because of the degree of discrimination. So I think that, yeah, I think that's, that those are the possibilities. I mean, you work in, in retail, that same, um, that, or you like look at the retail sector, the, the, um, the same report I noted found that one in two uh, employers in retail said that they would be less likely to trans people does that accord with your experience oh, certainly certainly i mean to, to find a job in the first place i had to be closeted you know after a long while mm. of trying to present as female and, and get a job like um it was it was impossible in the end you know <laughs> yeah so like it it's it's a tough road um and i think you know there's something you mentioned earlier which i think kind of sums it up is you know uh there's these academics out here and maybe even politicians running around mm. kind of saying that this is, you know, about us trying to barge into women's bathrooms and things like that, you mm. know. Uh, and the reality is for people like you and me, it's like, can I even get a job? You know, mm. am I, will I be discriminated when it comes mm. to applying for a house to rent? Mm. Um, you know, just basic bread and butter <laughs> survival issues. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think you made a good point as well about the, the reluctance of some people in the trans community to engage with the union movement. Um, a lot of us kind of face a lot of <laughs> discrimination in our lives and kind of don't trust cisgender people in general and tend to find ourselves in very small online communities of mm. just solely trans people. Mm. Um, and it's hard to build those kind of connections. You have to extend a lot of trust. What do you think the mm. trade union movement could do on their end to kind of build trust with us? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think a starting point is is just you know going back to the roots. Like we have such an incredible um, history in this country of of um, social movement unionism. You know, the first ever strikes to defend um, for, for gay rights, industrial action for gay rights, occurred um, here in Sydney from the Builders Labourers Federation. Um, the there's there's this this rich history that sees the union movement not as kind of a caricature of a particular um, culture, but, but as something that's about fighting for rights and standing up for those rights. And I think, I think that's something that we need to kind of, I think the union movement should, should see as, as, as one and the same issue. I mean, we, we have right now the, you know, these 
the sexists rampaging through Parliament. I think that those issues of of sexism, homophobia and transphobia, of racism, they can't be pushed off into some corner and labelled you know, identity politics that we don't worry about. I think for the union movement, actually, these are our bread and butter. We need to go after the sexists. We need to go after the racists. And it's it's a way for us to build build our union as well, like politically as well as industrially, when we can take up these issues. I think it's it's a it's it's a it's a point of strength for us. But I'm not sure. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a debate. It certainly is. Um, well, there's some social movement kind of action happening up your way soon. Uh, do you want to shout that out before you, you head off? Uh yeah, yeah. Well, so the the fight. Um, the the fight for around the religious discrimination bills that I that I mentioned that I think you know there there, there are a number of them being pushed at, at various levels um, bills by the one by one nation and there's there's one being um, cooked up by the liberals federally uh, are just about you know furthering transphobia giving kind of remarkable like wholesale rights to do any unlawful activity if it's on the basis of religious belief to help circumvent anti-discrimination law it's, it's quite incredible um and so there's a there is a protest so if anyone's in sydney there's one um on the 17th of april you can look it up um online so um uh, held by community action for rainbow rights um, so yeah, I definitely encourage people to you know come along to that. And I think from a social movement perspective, like we also need to think about what we can do in our unions. Like these are these are real issues in the education sector, and I think we need to be thinking as you know for teachers, you know how can we help bring the Australian Education Union to to see this as a as a real issue that they need to fight for. And you know, similarly everywhere. And um, I'll shout out: there's the protest in Melbourne today. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be coming up. Um... Uh, like when this goes to air, it'll be about nine in the morning on, um, on, on Wednesday. But I, I think in the afternoon at two 30, there's going to be a demo at, um, Melbourne uni for trans day visibility. So make, make sure to check that out. Great. Good one. All right. Well, thanks so much for, for joining us, Danny. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. And I, thanks for everyone for listening. I think it's a really important issue that doesn't really get discussed a lot. Oh, let's change that. All right. See you later. See ya. That's it for stick together this week. Stick Together is produced for 3CR Community Radio in so-called Melbourne. Stick Together is made possible through the financial support of the Community Broadcasting Foundation and will come to you on the Community Radio Network through your local community radio station. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au or wherever you get your podcasts and you can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com. My name's Tilda Joy. Remember, wherever you are or whatever you do, there's a union for you. This trans day of visibility, trans people, go join your union, and cis people, go look after the trans people in your life. Till next time, stick together.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.